Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240 for this uh, Tuesday, October the 11th. Monday Night Football, we finally saw a pretty good game last night as the Chiefs and the Raiders went at it. Raiders went up 17 nothing, and uh, the Chiefs fight back with four touchdown passes from Mahomes to Kelsey. And uh, pretty much, uh, and I, I was listening to some of the commentary uh, the, this morning, and uh, four touchdown passes is not the record in the NFL, Jeff, by tight end. It's five by uh, Winslow. Uh, back, I guess that was sometime oh, wow. in the uh, 80s. Uh, Mike, Cleveland. Ditka, Mike Ditka also caught four touchdown passes in a game once. I didn't think they threw the ball that much. Yeah, I was going to say, man. That's <laughs> pretty impressive. Anyway, uh, so the Chiefs uh, play a pretty good game, and uh, they go ahead and win. As uh, I think it was Mahomes' largest comeback, too, in a victory. Uh, he was down once before to someone. I can't remember if it was the Bills. might have been the Bills, 17 nothing earlier in his career and came back to win the game. So uh, the Chiefs uh, sitting pretty right now. Raiders. What, uh, what about the um, two-point conversion attempt? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Boy, I, I, I don't want You're on the road, that. and there That's is right. that theory. You play for the win on the road, play for the tie at home. But I don't know. When, uh, when, you, when Oakland needs a win, and maybe that's what they're thinking, I need a win, and so why risk it in overtime? Well, I, 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 and I'm sure. Especially uh, as hot as Mahomes had become. That's right. If they get the ball first, yeah. you know, they're, they're probably thinking we can't stop them. Halftime score was 20-10 to 10 in favor of the Raiders, uh, and uh, the Raiders look pretty good, but guess what? They're 1-4 now, and the Chiefs are – I believe uh, four and one or three and two. Uh, I'm trying to recall. Anyway, uh, with that game last night, they had a controversial call, and I'm in wholehearted agreement with it. Uh, uh, as Carr went back to to pass, he was sacked, and it was a fumble, and they called it rough in the passer. I, I, I don't know if you saw that particular play. I didn't, but the I, highlights. I, I'm seeing though that uh, people are upset about Ooh, it. Oh, uh, I mean, just a horrible call. I mean, even. Uh, even uh, the two announcers in that game uh, uh, with Buck and uh, uh, Aikman. Aikman, they they uh, they both said, "I don't understand this." And uh, the official basically he didn't mention it, but the the only technicality that come to play the big defensive end or tackle who fell on Carr uh, literally fell on him, you know. And but looking back at the replay, I I mean I'm kind of getting with Jack Lambert too. Put skirts on him. I mean it's it's pitiful. Uh, I mean, it wasn't any roughing. Uh, you know, he didn't spin him or throw him down. or He just fell on him, and the ball came uh, loose as he was going down, and he recovered it, the defensive lineman. And uh, the official says, oh, no, it's uh, roughing the passer. You can't do that. And you know, I can imagine, too, if he makes a move where he does turn him a little bit so he doesn't fall directly on him, that he gets called for that, for That's tossing right. him. You know, right. the, you didn't right. need to do that. Like, well, yeah, I did if and, – and the question is, again, whether or not these roughing the passer calls should be reviewable. Right, to, right. To take a better look because they're costing people games. Yeah, it they, almost cost them that one. That's right. And uh, the Chiefs uh, played well, did well, uh, and uh, they're looking good right now. And uh, in other news around the NFL, too, the NFL East, they're calling them the beast uh, in that regard uh, with uh, – the. I think they're 15, 15 and four through the course of the year. Uh, in other words, the Eagles right now are five and zero. Oh. The Cowboys are four and one. The Giants are four and one. And the uh, lone uh, team in that division, uh, the Commanders, are one and four. But uh, and what's the difference? The question I asked to Ron Rivera yesterday was. Um, you know, all these other teams in the East are uh, playing up. Uh, the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys uh, had been up. Uh, they won the division last year. But um, what, what, what's the di- quarterback play? That's right. And Alex Smith is offended that Ron Rivera would sit there and say, we don't regret taking Carson Wentz, but yet the difference is quarterback play. Yep. I mean, it's, it's black and white. Pretty and much. I'm going to go back uh, to this complaint uh, that I hear about Jameis Winston being the same starting quarterback, I'm telling you, there are six to seven, maybe eight teams that would 
step up with Jameis Winston as opposed to what they're dealing with now. Yeah, but uh, uh, my my biggest issue with Winston is he holds the ball too long. If you know, we were spoiled. You know, we have one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of NFL. Played with the Saints for fifteen years, sixteen years, and uh, Breeze got the ball out pretty quickly. Uh, and uh, he didn't like to get hit. No, he's kind of small too. Winston's about four or five inches taller than Breeze, and probably twenty five to 30 pounds heavier and uh he just winston holds the ball a little bit too long get rid of it throw it away breeze would do that occasionally he'd throw it away but anyway it remains to as be long seen. as you throw it away and not just <laughs> throw it, throw it yeah. up right know? that's right anyway of course uh, the big picture in the nfl right now is uh uh, when the NFL teams expanded uh, back in the day, I think it was 2002 when they went to the eight divisions, that uh, no division. Houston came into the league. Yeah, 02, yeah. That no division has literally uh, uh, um, had four teams or three teams with a, with a four and one record or more than four wins. So, uh, anyway, it's uh, interesting to see. And, you know, the Jets. <laughs> Eventually they'll beat each other out. Yeah, that's, yeah they've got to play each other. You're correct. And uh, the Jets, you know, with the route over the Dolphins, they snapped a 12-game division losing streak. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday, the Texans are no longer uh, winless. They, they're one three and one. And uh, uh, anywhere else, uh, the, the protocols now are coming forward with uh, the concussion deals. So, uh, and with uh, Tagovailoa, uh, you know, I don't know when he might play again. So uh, they definitely don't think this Sunday. So uh, hopefully. Uh, That'll happen. Also, you know, we've uh, got divisional playoffs here in the NFL today as uh, the eight teams go at it. And uh, uh, their, their times, I think, are 12.37. I'm just getting to that uh, notation here. 12.37, 2.37, maybe 5.37 and 7.37. Uh, I know they have a West Coast game. The Dodgers will be playing uh, the Padres on the West Coast. So. About 8.30. Yeah, uh, okay, 8.37. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure the, the, you'll, you'll come on and give us a little, uh, they'll give us a little highlights for a few minutes and then, uh, turn to the game. So, uh, anyway, uh, I have it here finally. Uh, Phillies at the Braves, uh, basically, uh, with that. So that's a, they show here at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So that's noon our time. Yeah. And then, uh, 3.30 Eastern time should be, uh, uh, probably 2.37. That's the Mariners at the Astros. And I didn't realize that the Astros, have been in the division championship, but not the division championship, the national. Yeah, it is. I guess it is the division champion. Six straight years. There you go. The Astros. And, of course, they, they had a, one or two down years after they changed their look. But since then, they've been playing very good. Well, that that they have in Verlander. The new ownership group. Yeah, and Verla- yeah that's right. And Verlander is going to win the uh, – I'd be surprised if he doesn't win the Cy Young in the National League. I mean, at 39 years old, and he's still pumping them up there. A bit of a side note on that Astro Mariners series. uh, Starting out in Houston today and uh, again tomorrow, they'll take the day off and play Saturday and perhaps Sunday. And the Seattle uh, Seattle Seahawks are at home Sunday. They're actually thinking about playing a noon central time game Uh in Seattle, so there's not as much of a conflict with with a possible. And and again, it's uh, possible that... There won't be a game, but they won't know until Saturday afternoon or night at some point, and you can't scramble to reschedule the start time. So uh, we may find uh, throughout the week. I'd also think they'd consider another Monday night game. Uh, That would just be telecast locally like it normally would be anyway. Well, we'll see what's going to come of that because uh, with those games, the best three out of five, not two out of three or not four out of seven, it's three out of five. First one to three and three takes a series and moves on so uh in that regard elsewhere um in uh collegiate football the polls out too jeff uh and uh georgia remains number one um they got two new teams i think into the top 25 of course the tigers have fallen out uh losing to uh tennessee the way they did and uh but they still are garnering votes as i'm getting to looking that. at the coaches poll or the ap i'm looking at the ap uh here are they still in the coaches poll no okay not necessarily i'm, I'm just wondering so i can look it up okay too. okay uh, yeah this is the ap poll and uh basically I, let me blow it up a little bit since my eyesight georgia's number one got 32 first place votes ohio state moves past bama into second 
Uh, they take 20 first-place votes, while Alabama has 11, followed by Clemson at 4, Michigan 5, Tennessee 6. They move up a couple spots. USC 7th, Oklahoma State 8th, Ole Miss 9th, and Penn State 10th. Rounding out uh, the next 10 is UCLA, Oregon, TCU, Scrolling down a little bit, uh, TCU. Wake Forest. Yeah, uh, Wake Forest, correct. North Carolina State, uh, Mississippi State, Kansas State, Syracuse, Kansas, and Utah. And the uh, last five in uh, Cincinnati, Texas, Kentucky, Illinois, and James Madison. How about that? The two new names in the top 25 uh, for the collegiate ranks. and uh, James Madison just joining the Sun Belt, uh, that, looking to right. uh, dominate in it now. Yep, and they're ranked just five games into the, the FBS uh, tenure. They, this is their first year in FBS, and they joined the Sun Belt this season after dominating the FCS for years. Number 24, the Fighting Illini, they are ranked in the first time since uh, 2011, Jeff. Home of Dick Butkus in Red Grange, uh, ending the longest Power 5 drought the second consecutive week, Kansas held the distinction until last week. Uh, the longest such drought now belongs to Rutgers since 2012 when they were ranked. Texas, which annihilated Oklahoma 49 nothing, the Longhorns' largest margin of victory ever in the Red River rivalry. And uh, conference call, despite LSU falling out of the top 25, the SEC still leads the way with six ranked teams. The Big 12 is second with five, ACC four, uh, Big Ten four, Pac twelve four, American one, and the Sun Belt one. So, uh, uh, college football uh, taking off right now. Of course, uh, elsewhere in, around, in the coaches' poll, though, interesting uh, diversion. Alabama's right. still number one there. You'd really? almost think it would be just the opposite. Uh, really, you, they're number you, one in the coaches' poll. Alabama wow. is number one in the coaches' poll, followed by Georgia, and then Ohio State. Uh, Alabama had thirty five of. Uh, well, I guess I'm trying to do some quick math. 54, 53, uh, uh, I think it's 28, uh, 63, yeah, 63 uh, votes total. Um, Somebody but, didn't vote because you said there's 64, yeah, okay. 65 coaches that usually vote, or GAs, who knows who turns mm-hmm. in the polls. Exactly. Uh, but then, uh, so a little, I mean, all three are different spots. Michigan, Clemson, USC, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Penn State round out the top ten. Uh, 11 through 15, Oregon, UCLA, NC State, Wake Forest, TCU, 16 through 20, Kansas State, Mississippi State, Syracuse, Utah, Kansas, and rounding out the top 25, Cincinnati, Kentucky, Baylor, Texas, and North Carolina, uh, both uh, then BYU, Illinois, James Madison, uh, also close, but not in the coaches' polls. So. Yeah, receiving votes uh, in that regard. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we've got a... LSU did get a five votes Okay, in that poll. All right, and that's a coach's poll. Anyway, uh, back to the NFL for a moment. Uh, Panthers are looking for a head football coach. Don't know who they put in at, in the interim. Would you realize they owe Rule $40 million in a buyout? Unbelievable, too. And it's not exactly um, <laughs> going to turn their season around. Um, but I guess you got to start making some changes. But I... I'm not sure these kind of moves. Uh, they did announce that, uh, oh, what's his name, Stick or something like that, uh-huh. would be uh, taking over in the interim. And uh, uh, certainly Sean Payton's name popped up, not necessarily to step in right now, but he was uh, thought of, and when asked about it, he said, yeah, it's a pretty attractive job. Yeah, if you want to live on the coast here in North Carolina, play a lot of golf. I don't know if that's in his head or not, but uh, but he still belongs to the Saints, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, for another year. And uh, so if you want him to be your coach, uh, you've got to either trade for him or purchase him or buy his contract or whatever the case may be. But uh, Matt rolls out as a Carolina Panthers coach after a one-and-four start. He's 11-27 and 27 overall uh, since taking over in 2020. And uh, Carolina, as I mentioned, still owes him $40 million in uh, money from the buyout uh, to take him out. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of cash there. You wonder if uh, Matt Rule ever wants to uh, – uh, coach again with $40 million in the bank. Of course, you know, with the tax consequences, you know, I'm not so sure I'd work out something where they send me, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 
four or five million a year, whatever the case may be. I don't know. Maybe uh, you maybe do a better job with your own money and don't know, don't know the tax consequence but in North Carolina for the state. But uh, federal, it's 37 percent they're going to take of it. So uh, if they write him a check. So uh, apparently Sean Payton said something like it's almost a unicorn, the open job with a great quarterback waiting for you. Who's the great quarterback that uh, they're waiting on? Donald How Mayfield. Attractive. Here's Colin Hurd. I hear all these names with for the Carolina Sean job. How attractive is this job without a quarterback? Yeah, I, I think, look, I think it's attractive. And, and first off, the jump sometimes from a successful college head coach to an NFL head coach is larger than you think. It, it, it just is. Schematically, red zone, third down, in in. I say that respectfully because in college, it's a different job. You've got a certain amount of hours per week. You've got spring ball. You're recruiting. You've got a lot of things that are happening. You know, I particularly don't like getting dressed up. But in college, as a head coach, you're going to be in dress shoes, slacks. I like putting a pair of Jordans on in sweats <laughs> and, and going to watch film. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with a booster, and I don't really want to talk to – the parent of a player, right? Uh, and this I, sound familiar? And, and I want to oh, coach. Yes. And yet, that's the college game. And so, the transition number one is significant. But back to your question: Is it is it an attractive job? Look, it's almost a unicorn. The open job with a great quarterback waiting for you to come in and be the foster parent. I mean, Green Bay is the last one that had that yeah, job. Yeah, that, I mean, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> Usually, generally speaking. Okay, so that clears that comment up. Yeah. He, he was saying it is a rarity. He's not suggesting yeah. that there is a great quarterback uh, waiting. Because I was gonna, when I saw that quote, yeah. I'm thinking, no, there, there is no great quarterback there. That's one of the reasons they're one and four. And also Mayfield's out for a couple of weeks, too, I yeah. do believe. Yeah, and uh, Donald, uh, uh, is, is he the backup uh, now on that team after Mayfield? I thought Mayfield's he was down? injured. Pardon? I thought he was injured. Unless uh, he's healthy again. Oh, you got me. I, I don't know who the third quarterback would be for the Panthers. So uh, it's Cam some, Newton. Yeah, Rule had some success of all places at Temple back in the day. And then and moved Baylor. on. Yeah, to Baylor, and then uh, took the job uh, with Carolina, and uh, it's been downhill since then, and uh, they've had some issues there uh, with that team. So, uh, and I think uh, both of these quarterbacks, uh, Mayfield and Sam Darnold, will be free agents after the season too. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Mayfield, I think, had one year left on his contract, like uh, Garoppolo. But Garoppolo right now looks like the the deal of the year with the Forty Nineers holding on to him after their quarterback went down. Uh, Trey is it Trey Lane uh, went down uh, uh, earlier this year, so um, Garoppolo uh, looking pretty good right now too. So what's unfortunate is few wins as Matt Rule has had. A couple of them have come against the Saints. Yeah, this year and last year, yeah. if my memory serves me right, and a really a horrible game last year and this year, pretty much to back that up too, as the Saints uh, just didn't look good in either one of those games too. Uh, um, what more can you say? But the Saints, they win outscoring San Diego. and Carolina has to find a way to put the Saints on the schedule more than twice a year. <laughs> that's that's, that's right. the key. <laughs> for, the, for the Panthers it is anyway. Uh, uh, elsewhere, too, Jeff, uh, with regards, uh, we're going to have Coach Terry Martin on in the 8 o'clock hour, our last segment. I look uh, forward to that, as always. Yeah, he's uh, he, he had a big win this weekend against West St. Mary, so he'll probably have a lot to tell us about that. And uh, also, with uh, regards to uh, our local teams, we'll come back and speak a little bit about LSU and UL through the course. Uh, UL plays uh, tomorrow night up in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, as they take on the Thundering Herd, while the Tigers uh, uh, host... Uh, they're playing in Gainesville, I do believe, uh, against uh, yes. the, the Florida team. So uh, I'm trying to recall the time of that game. Six o'clock on ESPN 2, I believe. Okay. So uh, a lot of good football coming up our way here on Kane Radio. Uh, so in the meantime, Jeff, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family
Valley has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's, home of the best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2, imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has yet covered for the Saints and LSU, and no bar with more outdoor seating. Monthly Bingo is back this Thursday, 10 games beginning at 7. Four winners split the pot, and six others win a bar tab. And don't forget the Quarter Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Thanks again for voting the Quarter Tavern, best bar and more for this year's Best of the Tash. I am Jacob Lander, and I'm tired of seeing Louisiana fumble away good-paying jobs to our neighbors across the Sun Belt. That's why I'm running for state representative of District 49, because bringing opportunity back to Louisiana is a touchdown for all of us. As your next state representative, I will work hard to expand vocational training programs so that all of our people can have the tools to succeed. I am Jacob Landry, and I am a proven job creator. All I need is your support and your vote. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday morning uh, for our second segment. Uh, I found this interesting article, too, uh, Jeff. I was looking for it just now. That an LSU football fan accuses Tennessee of cheating at Tiger Stadium. I don't know if you saw that or not. They said that the LSU, uh, of course, they were, the article goes on to say that the LSU was soundly beaten, uh, okay, thrashed by Tennessee on Saturday. The volunteers strolled into Death Valley and showed the 100,000-plus inside. There's still a massive difference from where each program is right now, but it took less than two minutes for the visitors to display their true class and expose the Tigers. Unfortunately, the beatdown would not stop. Tennessee went on to win the game by a score of 40-13. to 13. The two programs aren't even in the same atmosphere right now. LSU is in the midst of a rebuild. Josh Herpel's uh, team is uh, contending for a title. Anyway, uh, they talk about the LSU fan, uh, according to an anonymous uh, Duke basketball and LSU football fan on the forum uh, following the game, Tennessee cheated. The individual is accusing the Vols of breaking the rules of one of the craziest theories that a message board has seen in a while. The accusation was uh, so out of left field that it's considered absurd for even the college football standards. Uh, anyway, uh, basically the message board uh, was speaking of it. It's not stealing uh, plays. It's not intentionally hurting players. They were using some kind of uh, 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 satellite. Uh, <laughs> he was speaking. I'm trying to find where he mentions his ver- verbatim uh uh, that, uh, anyway, that he was using some kind of satellite stream to pick up, uh, uh, the plays that were being called, uh, and, uh, uh, it, anyway, uh, let's see, here's, here's a Twitter, the Twitter, excuse me, comment. I'm trying to find it, uh, uh, I can't see his exact, uh, or an EPM, uh, I, I can't find it, Jeff, but it was, he, he was accusing them of using some kind of satellite interference to pick up uh, things with the uh, guards to LSU and all, and uh, as the like article, the, the frequency of the uh, of like the headsets. No, it wasn't that. It was something else on the. I don't know on the field. It, and like the article said, it was just crazy. And uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of LSU fans who are on uh, what is it, Tiger Droppings, uh, figured out. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, the article goes on to say the balls have a history of cheating, but Budgie Jones no longer heads their football program. But uh, 
Anyway, I just found it remarkable, uh, uh, even though Tennessee gave LSU a pretty good beat down during that game and all. But uh, I just found it interesting, and like the article said in the beginning, it was just uh, uh, focusing on some type of, um, I don't know, mystic, who knows, copious type of <laughs> plays. But uh, anyway, Tennessee did beat LSU, and they beat them soundly. But uh, uh, Tigers have a big game this weekend. Uh, you'll wonder how many UL fans will be pulling for Billy Napier against the Tigers, too, because that, uh, that particular 50-mile uh, distance still creates a lot of uh, uh, arguing amongst the, the, the fans. But uh, the Tigers uh, head to Gainesville this uh, Saturday, or I should say they probably get on the plane Friday. And I think a two-and-a-half, Florida's a two-and-a-half to three-point pick in that game, I do believe. I don't know if you uh, noticed that, too. Anyway. I did not. Okay. Um, EPMP is 3,000 access point, and a subscriber portfolio delivers high performance with interference tolerance at a, a four. I, and I still <laughs> don't know what. You uh, got me. I, I don't. The, the story should explain why. Um, this would be cheating. Uh, it doesn't really explain what the EPAMP is, um, but uh, apparently it is some sort of communication device. Uh, and, and again, nobody buys into the theory. Right. Yeah, quite quite right. But it, it, it was supposed to disorient the uh, opening kickoff. Okay, where Besh fumbled, uh, I think, and uh, Tennessee recovered and went on to score to open up the floodgate, so to speak. Anyway, the uh, LSU team uh, heading to Florida to play a 4-2 and Florida team. Florida's a two-and-a-half-point pick. Uh, the weather should be sunny with a high of 82 uh, around the game time and a low of 58 that evening uh, over on ESPN. Uh, both teams 4-2, and 6 p.m. kickoff. Uh, both teams uh, pretty much, they match up pretty well. LSU's averaging about 32 a game to 31 for Florida. Florida has uh, 436 yards a game, LSU 429. Uh, Tigers passing 256, Florida 222. Rushing LSU 172, Florida 214. Uh, third down conversions, LSU 45, almost 46%. Florida at 40. Uh, fourth down, LSU at 46, Florida at 670. Uh, time of possession is pretty even. Defensively, LSU only gives up 19 points a game, Florida 25. Total yards, LSU gives up uh, 329 to Florida is 413. Passing, LSU gives up 193, Florida 227. And rushing yards, uh, LSU gives up 136, Florida 186. So the Tiger defense, a little bit better. And even though Tennessee ran up and down the field, LSU's defense still is pretty good. Uh, The mistakes and the turnovers cost them uh, points. And uh, not kicking field goals cost them some more points, too. I know you mentioned that yesterday, too. Yeah, it's um, – and – you know, the thing is, you know, how does that deflate a team when they come away empty? Uh, they could have got that field goal, made it 10-3, to three, and you've got a little momentum. You've, you're still in, obviously still in the game. Uh, you got some excitement. The fans are excited. Uh, they're doing dollar shots at the quarter tavern. People are excited. Uh, but uh, at some point, uh, you just deflate uh, a crowd by doing that, and it's so early in the game. Get the points yeah. and uh, on a couple of occasions. Obviously, when you're down 21 points late, yeah, then you, you've got to go for the field goal. Or, I mean, the touchdown, don't get me wrong, or, or for the first down. Yeah, just put some points on the board. But early on in the game, I think it, it has a deflating attitude. Yeah, it happened I, I twice in the you. first half. Yep, I agree with you. And uh, that just – you need to get points. Score any way you got. And you still have – I mean, you got three quarters to score points. And uh, you, you got to get the points. I don't care if it's fourth and one at the two. You're almost telling your team we're in trouble here. We yeah. We, yeah, we, well, we we know we're going to give up points, and we got to score points. And I don't know if that's the message he was sending, or if he's just a gambler. Yeah, you know? you're right. So, uh, uh, Coach Kelly, uh, LSU fans, I would I say, a little irritable right now with him. But uh, they've got a big game against all. All that can be cured with a win down in Gainesville. Especially <laughs> against Florida and kind of against Napier, too. I, I yeah. think, you know, because there is that schism between um, LSU fans, more so UL versus yeah. LSU. But still, you don't want to be up 
staged by UL's former coach, you know? <laughs> There's a lot of truth. To that. I'm giggling right now, but uh, there is a lot of truth to that, and Tiger fans <laughs> will take it the right way. But uh, Napier's at Florida. He's not at UL anymore, so uh, we'll see how that all play out. Uh, big game tomorrow night, though, for our local fans as the Cajuns take on the Thundering Herd up in uh, Huntington, West Virginia. And that's going to be on ESPN2 Wednesday night, uh, kickoff approximately 6.30. I'm pretty sure that's our time. It is. And it's Edwards Stadium up there. Uh, the temperature forecast looks like a high of 76 that day with a low of 60. Marshall is a 10.5-point pick over the uh, Cajuns, and 47.5 uh, is the over and under. The one feather in Marshall's hat this year is they, they journeyed to South Bend to take on Notre Dame, mm-hmm. beat Notre Dame early in the year. Uh, of course, Marshall comes in three and two, while the Cajuns are two and three. Uh, some of those stats: uh, Marshall averages about uh, twenty-nine points a game. The Cajuns twenty-six. Marshall four twenty-four in total offense. Cajuns three twenty-eight uh, passing yards. Cajuns at two two ten. Marshall at two hundred. UL uh, rushing yards one eighteen. Two twenty-four for Marshall. Third down efficiency. for the Cajuns, 44% for the uh, Thundering Herd. Fourth down, Cajuns are one out of three. Thundering Herd is one out of seven. Uh, Time of possession, 28 minutes for the Cajuns, 33 for Marshall. Marshall has a pretty good running game. 224 yards a game is pretty uh, pretty good sound running game. Elsewhere in the defensive side of things uh, for the uh, Cajuns and the Thundering Herd, UL's given up about 20 points a game, 16-2 for Marshall. Total yards, uh, UL's given up 370. The uh, Marshall team, 281. Passing yards, UL's given up 242. Marshall, 210. Rushing yards, UL gives up uh, 128. Marshall, pretty impressive. Only give up 71 yards rushing in a game. So uh, pretty much the stats. Uh, You can see maybe why uh, the Cajuns are a 10.5-point pick. And that spread started off at 8. It went down to 7, then went back up to 8, then 9, then uh, up to 10. And it's now at 10.5 uh, as of yesterday afternoon. So uh, Cajun's got some work to do. And Coach Decimo hopefully uh, can right that ship and uh, get his team going again. They've lost. They won their first two, and they've lost their last three. And heading to Huntington, uh, West Virginia, tomorrow night on ESPN2. So uh, a game you can watch and see how the Cajuns look, Jeff. There you go. So, again, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, after they lost that first game, snapping, I think, the 13-game winning streak. 15. 15, 15. 15 yeah. And I'm thinking Westgate had yeah. the 13. But uh, he said, eh, it's kind of a – so did Coach Antoine. I say kind of it's a monkey off our back. Now this winning streak, we can relax, and you know, we know that streak's over. Uh, but it didn't work <laughs> out the way he hoped it would. Now they've got their own different type of streak, and – yeah, I certainly hope it doesn't happen to Westgate, too. Yeah, you're right about that. So, uh, in the meantime, the Cajuns, uh, you know, they still, you know, that, that team, and I'll reiterate it again, when Coach Napier left and uh, with the transfer portal being uh, open, I mean, they were, their better players were cherry-picked off that team. No uh, doubt. As Napier took, I don't know, anywhere from three to five. Boy, you know, mid-majors are going to be suffering this uh, a lot now. Oh, used I to think be, so. Used to be where mid-majors kept players maybe a little bit longer, maybe kept them an extra year, and that's kind of what kept them competitive. Yes. Because their, their players were not getting the looks uh, Power 5 players were getting by the NFL. Their draft um, stock wasn't as strong, but... Now they are being drafted by Power Five teams. That's right. You know, and and they they really got to find a way to to fix this. And, and another thing, like uh, is the NIL comes into play big time. You know, I'm, I'm less concerned about the NIL as much as I, I think one problem helps take care of itself if you make it mandatory to city year. Yeah, because your right. NAL value is not much if you're sitting. That is correct, and uh, and and that's how it was years ago. Uh, if you wanted to transfer, not that long ago. But you know, you could have transferred from a, a, a Division two school to Division one school without having to and sit that, out. And that's cool. I get that. You know, uh, they're they're different leagues. They're not in the same playoff system. Competition uh, is different. No, that that's that was fine with me. But uh, I just think this transfer portal is uh, killing the game. Yeah, and that it is. So uh, in the meantime, uh, it's, it is what it is, and. Uh, 
And if you want to buy by the rules, uh, go out and find you some uh, players that come into your school to help you win some football games. Yeah, so. saw a great headline. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't like the transfer portal, but he certainly knows how to game it. I, I agree with that. And he'll use it to his discretion and to the best of his abilities. And I don't blame him at all. Anyway, Jeff, uh, let's go ahead and take another break. And you're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with the Louisiana Sports Writers uh, uh, Top uh, 10 for each division uh, right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Athletic Field provides challenges that test their competitor. It is in that challenge that you realize you can accomplish things you have never thought you could accomplish. I am Jacob Landry, and I'm running for state representative in District 49. I've created hundreds of jobs good-paying jobs that families can build prosperous lives based on those jobs. This is my challenge, and I need your help. Your vote and your support will ignite a bright new future for all of us. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions. And you can apply right now at Danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It means I'm valued. I'm empowered. I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blazed the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in Louisiana high school sports. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, October the 11th. Uh, we'll, we'll look at, of course, we'll have Coach Terry Morton on our last segment in about 15 minutes or so. Anyway, uh, to talk to us about his uh, Laurelville Tiger team. In the Louisiana Sports Writers uh, Association polls this week, uh, heading up the 5A poll is Destraham, which is 6-0 and right now. They only had three first-place votes. Carr uh, had eight first-place votes, and they're in second, followed by Catholic High Baton Rouge in third, Zachary fourth, Rustin fifth, uh, Acadiana uh, is sixth at 5-1, and one. John Curtis at seventh, Parkway at uh, 6-0 and oh is eighth. St. Augustine is at uh, ninth with 5-1, and one, and West Monroe comes in at 10th with 4-1 and one record. Also receiving votes, I'm trying to, Karen Crow and, and Southside, uh, Karen Crow received seven votes, and Southside received six in the 5A poll. Uh, of course, uh, Yellow Jackets uh, have already played both of those teams. Elsewhere in the 4A poll, Lafayette Christian takes over the top spot uh, with a 5-1 and one record. They had eight first-place votes, followed uh, by St. Thomas Moore, Warren Easton, uh, Neville at, uh, is tied uh, with uh, Warren Easton at third, so there's no fourth place as Westgate comes in at fourth uh, with a 5-1 record course. They lost to Father Turlings this past week. And, and still two slots above them. That's right. That's right. Uh, you you got to question that. You um, do. Uh, as De La Salle is sixth, Turlings comes in at seventh, Lutcher eighth, and North DeSoto uh, received a first-place vote along with Lutcher and uh, Opelousas, who the Yellow Jackets played this uh, 
past weekend uh, comes in at 10th in the 4A poll. Boy, the Jackets have played some good football teams yes, they uh, have. this year. You know, they're taking their, their licks. Elsewhere, others receiving votes. Uh, Cecilia got uh, three votes in our area in the 4A poll, and that was it. In 3A, Union Parish, that's up in Farmerville, uh, they had seven pr- first-place votes in their number one, followed by E.D. White. They secured one first-place vote. Church Point comes in at third. They've got a th- uh, first-place vote, along with University. That's ULAB, uh, the LSU Lab School up in Baton Rouge. They've got a first-place vote. They're fourth. St. James uh, comes in at fifth. Madison Prep out of Baton Rouge is four and two. They're six. Iowa at uh, se- uh, in seventh at five and one. A. Meade at four and two at eight. Carroll at 5-0. and They weren't rated last week, so they get to the top uh, 10 for high school football. And Abbeville comes in at uh, number 10. And for that, uh, other teams in our area, uh, if you want to say our area, you could say basically Berwick, which is about approximately 40 miles away. Uh, elsewhere on the AA pole, uh, Manny, who has beaten Newman, who's number two. Manny has all secured all 11th first-place votes, followed by St. Charles at third, Dunham out of Baton Rouge at fourth, Mangum up in northeast Louisiana at fifth. Uh, Calvary is tied with Mangum at fifth spot. Each received 81 votes. Notre Dame uh, comes in at four and two. They're seventh. Episcopal Baton Rouge is six and zero. Oh. They're at eighth. North Caddo four and two at ninth. Of Oils at tenth. They're four and two, uh, and tied with Oak Grove up in uh, the northeast part of the state at uh, tenth. Receiving votes in our area, the only team. Uh, Closest to us is Welsh, yeah, who 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 beat uh, Lorville, the Tigers, uh, 10 days ago, approximately. In the 1A poll, Homer, H-O-M-E-R, up in uh, northwestern part of the state, they come in at first in the 1A poll with 10 uh, first-place votes. Uh, Garnering the other first-place vote was a Washtenaw Christian uh, out of Monroe. Vermillion Catholic moves up uh, three spots to numbers three. Uh, They come in uh, at 6-0, Southern Lab at 4th. Kentwood fifth, Logansport sixth, Riverside uh, over on uh, out there near Garyville. They're seventh. Glenbrook, uh, as we mentioned, I'm not sure where Glenbrook is. I'm gonna have to look that up. They come in at it's a uh, Chicago suburb, yeah. Glenbrook, but I don't think it's that. No, mm-hmm. I tend to agree. Anyway, eighth Catholic uh, Point Capie comes in at ninth, and Haynesville at tenth uh, with a five and one record, uh, grabbing votes or having votes in our area. Really, no one for that matter, uh, Jeff and. That's pretty much the uh, Louisiana Sports Writers Association poll for uh Surprised this Hansen's not seeing a little love there because yeah, they're I, having a terrific season. I'm not sure if they uh, won this past week, but I think they were um, undefeated heading into last week's games. Yeah, I think they were. They might have had a – I'm trying to think, of, did they have a loss to somebody? I know – They've uh, they've had other than VC maybe yeah that's possible but I don't know if they've played them yet uh, I tend to agree but it seems like um, I know Hanson has played a couple of our teams I think they defeated uh, Delcom earlier this year and uh, also uh, I'm trying to recall if there was another didn't they beat uh, uh, Highland Baptist Bears uh, oh, yeah. uh, recently so uh, that's a couple of their big wins so. I'm seconds away from pulling up there. Uh, okay, all right. Schedule here. In the meantime, no, they're, they're six and zero. They okay. Uh, they beat uh, Generet uh, this most recent game. I knew they. It sounded familiar. All right. Forty-one to thirty-four. Thirty-three to nothing against Covenant Christian. Thirty-five to nothing against Highland Westminster. Twenty-six to seven. Forty-five to thirty-one over Delcom and forty-five to twenty-two over St. John. Maybe uh, it's a strength of schedule situation that. Uh, the voters weren't impressed by. Uh, certainly, they'll have a chance to prove themselves uh, coming up. Uh, two of their next four games are against Central Catholic and Vermilion Catholic. Okay, yeah, that uh, that will get a good test uh, how they'll do against those teams in the next few days. But yeah, as I was mentioning to you off the air, I saw somewhere an article, and I was trying to find it. Uh, not sure where. I thought I'd saved it too, but uh, it was about uh, college football fan attendance. Uh, being declining uh, since 2019. They didn't take into uh, case the COVID years of, of 20 and 21, but uh, I like, uh, I still feel that the COVID, uh, uh, it still resonates with fans and uh, their fear of attending games and uh, catching COVID. Now, I still think it's out there. Uh, the only uh, conference that saw an increase in attendance was the Big Ten that saw a small increase, uh, like point. 
0.4, something like that, but it was a small increase. While a lot of colleges throughout the country right now are seeing uh, uh, their fan bases uh, dwindle. And, you know, it's a lot easier to sit back home with your flat screen, 70-inch TV or whatever the case may be and watch college football and pull your cold beer out the fridge. And uh, you, you think about um, the logistical issues when LSU played Southern. And the, the inconvenient uh, getting home situation or, you know, the parking situation, the cost of tickets now, the, you know, the, whether it's uh, like the, the fees. Doug Morrow was uh, given grief about uh, using some of his campaign dollars, former district attorney in East Baton Rouge Parish, uh, not in office anymore, but you still have campaign money and you can give it to charitable organizations. He's using it to pay his uh, surcharge uh, donation to maintain his season tickets, and he, right. he was talking about the cost of that. It's getting out of hand, and you know, I could see where I sitting somewhere else and watching the game is that much more convenient. It really is too when you uh, think about it. Uh, like I just mentioned earlier, and, and getting into those games too. Uh, you talked about the COVID restrictions uh, that some stadiums have. You know, I may not be afraid of getting COVID, but I don't want to go through the hassle of waiting in line to have my bag searched, my vaccination card checked out, and all those other things. It's a pain in the butt going to a game these days. It is. It is. And it's a lot of work, uh, too. And, uh, of course, you know, at one time it seemed like a lot of tailgaters just stayed out there, watched their uh, TVs on whatever network they, they could pick them up on instead of going to the game, too. And today I see it a lot and I'm going to ask our, uh, associate PGA professionals. You see the kids show up at the game, and I say kids. The students show up, and by halftime, a lot of them are left. They've got other things to do in that regard. So, uh, you know, when you see that happening, I see that uh, at some of the games I go to. They'll, they'll show up for the game, and good crowd, good students. But come uh, halftime, a little after halftime, uh, they're going to do other things. I don't care how close the game is or how much of a blowout it is. They they want to go do their thing, and they leave the stadium. And I see that a lot at most major colleges, too, and uh, even the big conferences. So uh, the students today have other interests, as you well know, with phones and laptops and uh, iPads. And anyway, it's just uh, the, the way things are today. Uh, no doubt. About two minutes before 8 o'clock, probably uh, should take our break and check in with Coach Martin. Yeah, he had a big win this week over West St. Mary. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, October the 11th. We'll be back with Coach Terry Martin of the Lowerville Tigers right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's, home of the best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2, imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has yet covered for the Saints and all issue, and no bar with more outdoor seating. Monthly bingo is back this Thursday, 10 games beginning at 7. Four winners split the pot, and six others win a bar tab. And don't forget the Quarter Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Thanks again for voting the Quarter Tavern, best bar and more for this year's Best of the Tash. Hi, this is Bob. 
Scar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Sliman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. We'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kang Road, and Sugar Oak. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Dream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 1075. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, October the 11th. And on the line with us is head football coach uh, Terry Martin with the Lowerville Tigers. Good morning, coach, and how are things going? Good morning. How y'all doing? Going pretty well. Uh, uh, just, just sitting around racking our brains. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to score some points against a very athletic football team. Yeah, uh, yeah Coach, but uh, why don't you – I know you were on Sports Corner Saturday morning, but for our listeners here uh, on Kane on uh, Tuesday morning, uh, just kind of recap how the game went. I know you had a big win over West St. Mary this past uh, weekend. Uh, just recap the game and then uh, tell us a little bit about your future opponent. And kind of like we talked about uh, last week, you know, it kind of went how we hoped. I mentioned how West St. Mary was so young. Uh, you know, they, they got a, they lost a bunch of their older kids. Uh, you know, I think I might have said last week, maybe two juniors, two seniors, maybe three seniors. So, uh, you know, mostly, basically a JV team. And, uh, and when, you know, we had planned to play when Coach Ines was there, we had scheduled a JV game. And, you know, we were looking forward to playing that last week, but he ended up, uh, the, the Coach Foz ended up calling me and saying, look, you know, I lost some of the older players. My younger guys are having to play on Friday night, so he canceled our JV game. And uh, it's kind of funny after after the game. You know, I think I asked one of our coaches. I think had we ever put a, a backup quarterback in at the end of the first quarter? You know, we you know we scored really quickly the first few times we had the ball. And uh, you know, again, that, my, our biggest concern we, we had two injuries the week before that. You know, we played three physical football teams in a row in Welsh, North Vermillion, and. Uh, and remaining Catholic. So, you know, honestly, we were kind of beat up physically. And uh, against Wells, we lost two starters. Uh, we're not, not season-ending injuries, you know, just both actually ankles, you know, pretty bad sprains, and we're hoping to get those guys back this week, uh, hopefully. But, uh, you know, we, we almost needed a game where it wasn't going to be as physical. And, and that West St. Mary game, being they were so young, kind of came at the perfect time. You know, we, we started, you know, when, when the first quarter ended, I think it might have been 42 to nothing in the first quarter. So we were able to start putting in young guys right away. And uh, Jeff and I talked about it, I think, on Saturday. Uh, this past year, there's a new rule that the LHSA instituted where it's a mandatory. Once once the score is 42 to nothing, uh, it used to be the coaches, the two coaches on each side had to agree to go to a running clock. But now uh, this new rule is it's a mandatory running clock once the score is 42 to nothing. Uh, wait, actually, wait, wait, let me interrupt. You say 42 to nothing. When there's a 42-point differential? Point differential, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in football, it's 42 points. I know basketball has a different score, obviously, but uh, they went to it in football and basketball. Once it reaches that point, then it becomes a mandatory running clock, and uh, th- th- there's a couple of situations where it would stop. You know, Again, if you have an injury, if uh, you know you want to change of possession, sometimes it was uh, – actually, no, I don't think it stops on the change of possession. There's a couple of situations, and even if the, the team that's down – starts to make a comeback until a certain point it still remains a running clock and so you know that that kind of got us out of there earlier than, than a normal game we were able to play a bunch of kids and uh you know and some of our younger kids even scored but it was kind of funny when we shook hands after the game the coach Fox says well it looks like we got our JV game in after all you know he was kind of you know good, good natured about it because he's basically playing with JV kids right now you know just really young kids undersized they still have a couple of good-looking kids, but just experience-wise, he's playing with a brand-new team and a bunch of young guys, and uh, we were able to get our young guys in. So it kind of worked out well for us, you know, to, to get the first winning district and, like I said, to, to rest some of our other guys and hopefully, you know, kind of heal up a little bit. Because, uh, again, this week, it's amazing how they, they just keep on turning out such great athletic-looking kids in Franklin. They uh you know, they, they, you know, we, they lose and who I think is one of the best high school football players I've seen in a long time in Zalvin Terry, who's at UL Lafayette right now. But, but man, they, they, the ones around them, they, they got a bunch of good kids back. Uh, just, you know, those same big athletic looking offensive defensive linemen, 
their linebackers and you know their DBs. Uh, I think second to none. You know they they have four or five different kids who, if you miss a tackle, they will score. They're going to go to distance. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's so nerve wracking. You know, you can stop them two or three downs. It looks like people will stop them two or three possessions, and then they score three touchdowns in a row. You know, just they they're so freaking athletic that it, it's. It's one of those things that probably makes a defensive coordinator lose a lot of sleep during the week. So, you know, we, we try to come up with ways. Uh, again, a lot of them, they do play several guys both ways, so they're extremely athletic on defense. Uh, they challenge you a lot, you know, with, with your receivers. They'll play a lot of man coverage. And, you know, and, you know, honestly, if you don't have the dude that can beat it, you know, it, it's tough to, to, to run what you want to run on offense. So, uh, you know, so it's a week of trying to come up with some things. I think it's one of those games again where our best defense could be our offense. You know, we have to, to you know take care of the ball and hopefully go on some long drives and, and you know keep possession of the ball to keep their offense off the field. Uh, uh, it's absolutely going to be one of those type of games. So, you know, looking forward to it though because again, you know, if you can play well with those guys, then you, you have a shot. You know, down the road. Do you have a JV game tonight? Uh, we do. We actually. Uh, have Southside, you know, okay. uh, who's, you know, who's an upcoming 5A program, you know, uh, I've been knowing Josh Fontenot for a while, all, uh, all the way, you know, back when he was at Crowley, we, we actually played when I was at Cecilia, and, uh, it looks like he's got that program going pretty well. Uh, they, they're doing well in 5A, and, uh, normally what we do, uh, it's more probably for his kids, uh, more, he'll play a lot more freshmen than JV guys, and honestly, most of our guys are, are gonna be ninth graders too. We only have a couple of sophomores and, uh, and maybe one junior that we might actually play in JV. So most of our guys are young guys. And, uh, so we, you know, hopefully we can hang with them tonight, you know, but, but it, you know, it'd be a good test for our younger kids to have a 5A program coming in here. So uh, we'll play JV tonight at 6 p.m. in Lowerville. And then, of course, we go to Franklin on Friday. And, and I think actually, uh, they actually do a pretty big deal in Franklin. Uh, they, they're having homecoming. But they do a big alumni thing. I, I remember the last time we played there, and it was their homecoming. They had tents set up everywhere. It looked like you know the entire town came back, came out for it. You know they had a lot of music going. It looks like they all they were all cooking. But they do a big deal for their alumni, and uh, so we're probably gonna have a pretty good crowd this Friday, I would think, at Franklin. There you go. And I know your uh, fans traveled pretty well too. So uh, I guess Absolutely. get there early. Get there early. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, especially if you uh, were playing Franklin tonight in a JV game, when you do play the same school, JV, and then uh, varsity the, the following Friday, do you uh, mix up um, the play calling or the formations, uh, uh, not to give away too much of uh, what your varsity team's going Right, gonna do? right, and uh, absolutely. We, a lot of times, you know, uh, the, our, our coaches, the assistant coaches, kind of completely call the game. Sometimes, actually, I'll go sit in the press box if it's a home game and I run the clock. Uh, but, but, he, uh, Jude Duga calls our JV offense and he'll always, you know, kind of say, hey, would you, you know, is there anything you do not want to run? You know, cause sometimes some of our, you know, better plays or, or maybe like two point play type deals, you know, if we're playing the same Friday, I obviously don't want to run it in, in the JV game. And we also, uh, like most teams today, we signal everything in, but for the JV games, we actually will stay in the huddle. Uh, you know, have the coaches in there. And again, I'm probably more paranoid than some coaches. Uh, we played guys before on a Tuesday that we're going to play on, on Friday. And, you know, you can see some of their signals, but, but honestly, it, that doesn't really help. Uh, you know, if, if the kids are busy or if we're busy looking at their sideline, you know, while we're trying to play football, you know, they're going to end up busting a, a long run on you anyway. So, uh, I'll probably worry about it more than I need to, but, uh, typically we stay pretty vanilla. You know, we would try to just run our base stuff just so our younger kids can kind of, you know, because for a lot of them, their experience during the week is being on scout teams. Mm-hmm. So they're running the other teams. You know, we, we don't have enough guys where, we, you know, we can have a separate JV practice or, you know, going on while we're doing varsity practice. We don't have enough coaches to do that. And, uh, you know, to, to get everything in that you need for a Friday night, you know, at least in our case, we don't have time to go to, to keep kids extra after and run a lot of our base stuff. So most of the time, they get the drill work that they need, but the, the, the scout, the younger kids, run you the other team's offense and defense during the week. So the JV game is actually their practice on our offense and defense. And uh, that's why I think it's so important and so critical. You know, besides, obviously, to get them experience, 
but just to be able to run more of our base stuff. You know, so we probably stay a little more base than, than you know than others. But uh, again, I, I just I think we've talked about that before. I learned a long time ago uh, for two reasons. If, if you don't play JV, you're going to lose kids first of all because they want to obviously play games. But if you don't play enough JV games, the next year you will absolutely struggle in the varsity games. Those, those kids have to play. And uh, I just think, you know, that the JV program is probably one of the most vital aspects of any high school football program. Gotcha. Coach, uh, always a pleasure on these Tuesday mornings, and we'll look forward to checking in with you again Saturday morning after the Franklin game Friday night. Sounds good, man. Hopefully I'm in a good mood. There you go. Uh, good luck, <laughs> Coach. Appreciate right, that. Man. I tell you what, though, uh, win or lose, uh, Coach Martin is with me uh, every Saturday morning. Yeah, and he's been with some successful programs yeah. uh, the last few years, too, not only in Lowerville but in Cecilia and Brobridge. So good luck to Coach Terry Martin. Uh, today in sports history, October the 11th, uh, in 1906, uh, White Sox Ed Wells strikes out then a record 12 in a World Series game. Of course, then since then broken by Sandy Koufax in 63 and then Bob Gibson in 68 against the Tigers. In 1911, uh, Ty Cobb in the AL and Frank Schulte in the NL are named the inaugural Major League MVPs. Each player gets a car for is uh, winning the award. So, uh, wow. 1923, a pair of Babe Ruth home runs in the fourth and fifth innings is the difference as the Yankees beat the Giants at the Polo Grounds uh, uh, to tie in the World Series at one game apiece. Elsewhere on this date in 1927, didn't know this fact, but first baseman Luke Gehring is named the MVP of the AL despite hitting a major league record 60 home runs by Babe Ruth. As a former winner, uh, it's not eligible to win it for two years in a row. Did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. I wonder when they changed that. Elsewhere, in 1943, the Yankees become the first team to win 10 world championships as they beat the Cardinals 2 to nothing at Sportsman's Park for a 4-1 to one, uh, games uh, win. Uh, elsewhere in 48, uh, World Series, Cleveland Indians, Indians beat the Boston Braves 4-3 to three at Braves Field to clinch the series four games to two. It's the Indians' second championship in team history, and guess what? They haven't won one since. Of course, they're now the Guardians. Elsewhere in 1967, uh, World Series uh, three games or three consecutive homers hit by Corey Strimsky, Reggie Smith, and Rico Petroselli as the Reds beat the Cards 8-4 to in Game 6 at Fenway. Cardinals come back the next day with Bob Gibson and beat the uh, – Beat, I think it was a 6-2 to game for, as the Redbirds uh, take out the Red Sox. 71, uh, Baltimore Orioles third baseman, the human vacuum, Brooks Robinson, set World Series record. He reaches base five consecutive times in an Orioles 11-3 to win at the Pirates in Game 2 at Memorial Stadium. Of course, the Pirates go on to win that series. In 1992, Deion Sanders, prime time. Plays for both the Falcons in the NFL and the Braves in the National League. Uh, one of the first players ever to do that in, uh, in the same season. Uh, birthdays today in 1899, Eddie Dyer, uh, baseball player born in Morgan City, Louisiana. Uh, he played for the uh, uh, Cardinals from 22 to 27 and then was the manager from 46 to 50. And he was uh, a rookie World Series champion. Of course, the Cards won the World Series in 46, beating the Red Sox. And uh, he was a rookie manager that year. Born on this date, 1961, Steve Young, NFL quarterback, Super Bowl champ, MVP, uh, Pro Bowl NFL passing leader with the 49ers, born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, deaths on this date in 1986, Norm Cash, Tiger first baseman, AL batting champion, hit 361 in 61 of the Detroit Tigers, and uh, Norm drowned at the age of 51. Man, mm. wow, forgot about that. had cork in his bat. Yeah, and he, he, and he, he did, he could too. Could have afloat. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think he ever hit 300 after that. He hit 361 in 61 and never hit 300 again, too. Mm. And there was also uh, with a cork bat. I think he confessed to that yeah. in later years after he was out of baseball. Born on this date, uh, or excuse me, dying on on this date in 2020 was Joe Morgan, Little Joe, Baseball Hall of Fame infielder, 10-time All-Star, World Series uh, in 75-76, MVP in 75 and 76 of the Cincinnati Reds and a broadcaster with ESPN dies at 77. As, as much as I, and, and I saw a lot of Reds games uh, growing up because my dad was from Cincinnati, as much as I loved him as a ball player, his attitude, his game overall, 
I couldn't stand him in the booth. Really? I, I, no, he just annoyed the heck out of me. And I, I liked his partner, John, whose name is escaping me, uh, now with San Francisco. I think he does Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He did, radio. He did a lot of ESPN games. does a lot of games. great impressions, too. Yes, he, he does. does a great impression of he Harry does. Carey. But uh, anyway, um, it was tough listening yeah. to those. Yeah, Joe Morgan. Anyway, uh, the quote of the day, I'm going to go back to Joe Morgan. Uh, on his introduction into Baseball's Hall of Fame, he said, I take my vote as a salute to the little guy, the one who doesn't hit uh, 500 home runs. I was one of those guys that did all they could to win. I'm proud of my stats, but I don't think I ever got on four, meaning he had 2,500 hits, knocked in over 100 runs once, had 268 homers, stole 689 bases, had a lifetime average of 271, and a two-time MVP, Joe Morgan, dying on this day back in 2020 during the COVID year. Anyway, uh, Jeff, that's a look today uh, in sports history uh, for this October 11th. All right. Uh, As always, we appreciate uh, the coaches who join, or any guest who joins us in this case, Orville head coach Terry Martin. Appreciate him coming on tomorrow. A couple of uh, head coaches scheduled at about 7.30. We expect to talk to Delcom's Artie Liuza. And then uh, after that, Highland Baptist's head coach Rick Hudson. And, of course, we thank our sponsors, including Jacob Landry, candidate for state representative District 49 in that election next fall. L.A. Classic Riffing the Quarter Tavern. Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, and the Headache and Pain Center. Again, appreciate their support of Bayou Sports.